Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud to get it automatically. If you like the Stitcher app, you can find it there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whichever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos we talk about on today's episode. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Another reminder that I'll be hosting the Big Freaking Quiz of 2018 in Boston and Baltimore, Improv Boston on November 29th, and Charm City Comedy Project on November 30th. Normally the show is about writing sketch comedy, but we're breaking the rules today because it's my show and we can. Today's guest is Kara Bauer, currently a member of the Baltimore-based group Richard Dreyfus. Kara hasn't written a sketch, so we're going to be talking more about the differences in performance and acting between sketch comedy and other forms of theater. So here we go. Hey, Kara. Hi. All right, so this is going to be a little different than I normally do. I usually talk about the writing process, uh, but we're going to talk about the acting process today, which I'm excited about because I, well, I'm, I'm, whenever I do sketch comedy, like acting is the least of my concerns. Like, yeah, you're never going to get a huge character out of me, or if I can just play like regular Joes throughout everything I do, where I don't have to like inflect or change my voice or anything perfect (laughs) uh all right so let's talk about you uh being an actor so where what where did you always act did you always do like school plays and stuff and um yeah well okay so when i was really little i was homeschooled so i auditioned for the twig program at maryland school for the arts and i got in for that in visual art and my mom is much more into visual art so she told me not to do acting and instead to do visual art and i listened to her and um then i ended up being able to act with fells point corner theater in a little like children's program they had so i was like oh this is kind of cool and then when i went to college I ended up acting when I was in college, but I went to college really young. I started college at 15 and I finished by 19. So I didn't get many years to do plays. So um, then after college, after 19, I stopped acting and I focused on trying to figure out what I was going to do for a career. So I became a nurse and um, I am currently a nurse and um I have a bunch of jobs within that. Like I'm, I work for a drug company, but then, um, well, I work primarily in public health, but I'm also contracted out with a drug company. But then I realized that even though I'm still able to do visual art, I really missed theatrical art. And so I decided to like try Mm -hmm. out for something and I got cast, but the show never came to be. So then eventually there was this other group that, Um, was doing plays and you don't try out for them. You just have to do cold reads. 
And I did a million and one cold reads. And by the end, they gave me a part. And now I'm a company member with them. Um, And where's this? They're Rapid Lemon Productions. They're like a small theater in Baltimore. So I act with them mainly and with Cohesion Theater Company. They're another one. But anyway, that's actually what got me into sketch. Because when I was acting with Cohesion, uh, Tatiana Ford, who's one of the company members, she is absolutely fantastic. And we were both starring in this play called Schoolgirl Figure, which is a very dark comedy. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had such a great time, you know, working together on that project. And then we just happened to work together again on another project. And then she assisted, directed for Rapid Lemon. And then when somebody called out from um, Richard oh. Dreyfus. Tatiana called me up and she was like, Hey, can you maybe like step in? And I was like, you know, I've never really done that much comedy. I've done a lot of dramatic acting. And then she's like, that's fine. They just need like some people to fill in. They've seen you act. They think you're fine. Just show up and we'll see what happens. So I did. And the first sketch I did was Fishbuck, which is really funny. Um, if you've seen the shape of water and I played like an uptight librarian professor type, which was super easy. I just had like, there were some times, so when I do stage plays, if you miss a line, it is like death. It's the worst thing. But um, with sketch, there's a lot more play involved with sketch. Um, There's definitely a script, but there's also definitely room to expand on the script and play off the audience more. Um, and it was really cool to like, you know, ad lib a couple things just to get the audience more into it and then realize that the guys afterwards are going to be like, oh no, that's great. Like (laughs) that totally works. And I don't know. It was like much more playful, which I liked. Um, I ask everybody like, do you have a, what's your comedy fandom? Like, were you like into stuff growing up? Like, uh, were there specific shows that you were really into? Uh, still into. Um, so I am a huge Amy Poehler fan. So Parks and Recreation is just my heart. I am obsessed with Arrested Development. Um, I love Tina Fey. Did you watch the new season of Arrested Development? Uh, yes. Okay. So the re-edit, the reboot, so much better. So if you haven't seen season four with the re-edit, you need to do that. And then season five was actually, I think it really let maybe shine and she's like one of the best characters. Okay. So I kind of loved that. Yeah. I'm way behind on my Netflixing and stuff. So I've completely like, and it's weird. Cause like the, when the original season four came out, like I watched it all within the first 12 hours and for whatever reason season five was just uh, okay yeah no um so you know i think that all of us experienced the letdown of season four and just feeling like i don't know that we lost a little bit of our childhoods or (laughs) that the writers just abandoned us and decided to just do some experimental shit but they redeemed themselves in the re-edit so if you have if you have any hope left in your heart watch season four on the re-edit and then watch season five and so okay so, yeah. so you're saying and it wasn't even that like the experimental part of the storytelling bugged me so much it was more about like oh those three people are clearly not in the same room right now like like that visual oh yeah the re-edit like, that that bummed me out more oh yeah then oh yeah so that's the thing okay so one thing that i really loved about sketch and about this so when i'm doing stage acting um 
that's like regular stage acting, there's definitely a, a connection between me and the other actor. And it has to be like, so like, oh my gosh, it requires so much focus because you're trying to really embody the character, you know? So you can't slip in and out or else people will know that it's fake. I mean, it's obviously fake, but you know, I think that's part of the reason why people don't like stage plays. Cause they're like, Oh, I can definitely tell that that wasn't real. Um, but there's something yeah. about sketch where actors slip in and out, but it's much more accepted. And I think it's because the audience is allowed in a little bit more. Like, you do a stage play and it may or may not be for your audience and you may like completely disavow your audience. You're doing sketch comedy. Inherently, everything is like catered to the audience. It's like you've got like a room full of children that you just need to entertain. And that is so much more fun than a room full of adults who are scrutinizing everything that you're doing. Um, yeah, so like you mentioned not doing much comedy before uh, being tapped to hang out with Richard Dreyfus. Um what kind of roles were you doing? What what like what were roles that you really loved doing? Um so I actually so there is a, a writer, a local Baltimore writer um named Alice Stanley and Alice actually wrote a piece for me um not knowing how close it hit to home, but it was it was a piece about um a girl who was trying to come to terms with her grandmother. It's extremely emotional, a lot of crying on stage. Um, I was in these two rep pieces, which were both incredibly serious. Um, one was about, um, La Llorona and I did not have any funny parts in that. And then the other one was a retelling of Odysseus and Penelope. And it was, you know, not funny, uh, <laughs> as, as it should be, should be very dramatic. Um, and, uh, I, I was uh, in Porn, A Love Story, which actually was incredibly hilarious, but I played like the straight man character. I was the lead in that. So I played like a girl who's angsty and like has so many thoughts and emotions and gah, growing up, that kind of thing. So mm. that was definitely not the funniest. Um, and then I played an alien in um, a play called Here Be Dragons. And my character is the nice one that everyone beats the shit out of. So like, it was a very, it had funny moments in it, but my character was just, it was just pathetic. I was a punching bag as that character, but it was um, great. It was a lot of fun. So very dramatic, very varied characters. Here be dragons. Is that Ukarsh? Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. I acted with him in one story and then I acted. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. I saw, uh, Richard Dreyfus in New York City, like that. Uh, his two Americans group played in with them, and they did a full like that. Yeah. So when I was researching people after that show, I, I came across Here Be Dragons as a thing. So I know nothing yeah. about it other oh, than that's his. It's a great show. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Amy Poehler, and I ask everybody uh, just for my own curiosity: uh, favorite Sarah Live cast member of all time. Hmm. Such a difficult question. I feel like I would say a name and then I'd be like, oh, but that person was pretty great too. Uh, well, I mean, there. I say that there are no wrong answers, but I have had people say, give me wrong answers before. So No, uh. I know. You're saying that immediately <laughs> so, you're going to judge me. You know what though? Purity of like just sketch comedy and who I just, I, I remember looking at and thinking, 
you're a nice lady and I want to be like you one day. <laughs> uh, truthfully, and I know this is so mediocre of an answer, but Tina Fey, I kind of love. I love her. I know that she wasn't like she would do new stuff and like it wouldn't be like, but I love her. <laughs> Yeah, I accept answers. as long as they're on as as long as they were a cast member on the show, the answer is okay. Like, if you had just picked someone that was never on Saturday Night Live, that would be the wrong answer. Exactly. Uh, but or someone that just did one season randomly, that, that doesn't count either. Well, and yeah, I know that she's not like, but there's there's something there's something I just love about her. And so even like as a kid, when I would like laugh hysterically at like other sketches, I remember thinking. They're, she's just such a classy lady <laughs> and i i like that kind of comedy i one thing okay so this is something that really attracted me to richard dreyfus um and just as a woman like so i'm i am not huge into comedy so i'm not gonna like pretend like oh i understand the struggles of women in comedy that's not my perspective at all but one thing that i really love is i'm in a room full of these guys and uh, they'll bring up a sketch and they'll have women in their sketch and they'll be writing a sketch with an obviously like feminine or female character. And um, they'll question how the sketch is going to reflect on a woman and on women in general, if they use certain words or if they say certain things as an approach and they try to avoid the cheap jokes through like sexist kind of, like motifs like it's it's pretty impressive actually i remember being in shock at one point when freddie wrote a sketch and it was a funny sketch like it was great don't get me wrong but brandon called out the wording for part of it and freddie was like oh yeah i'm trying to make that joke and then brandon was like no man i think that there's like a smarter way to go about this and freddie was like oh man i totally get you you know i really want to take it to that like they were vibing on each other on like a really sensitive issue. And I wasn't even going to like bring that up to be like, yeah, like a woman wouldn't really like that, but they were completely comfortable being like, how would females feel about this? And then I was like, okay, this is a good group of guys. Like I can definitely get down with this. Have you been in the, the writer's room as they work together as much? Oh yeah. No, like they are awesome about anytime they have like writing sessions, they invite all of us over and we can give input. They've sometimes have made changes because, you know, you might suggest something and be like, Oh, I think this would be funnier. And they'll be like, Oh man. Yeah. Like totally. And, um, they've always been so encouraging. They've been like, yeah, you should write sketches, but I, you know, I'm not a writer yet. I don't know what's involved like i recently visited italy and discovered i have some super fascist relatives and i'm like there's a sketch in there somewhere something <laughs> like this one moment that my dad had where he was just nodding along to my cousin speaking in italian about how great mussolini was um there's there's something in there i just don't know how to crack it out because i'm not used to it but yeah they are they're very welcoming they're welcoming of edits inputs um like direction advice they're they're just, I think that's what makes them so good. They aren't afraid to critique one another. They aren't afraid to accept criticism. They aren't afraid to speak about tough issues, but also make sure that they're landing on the side where there's redemption. They, mm. They're making comedy so much deeper than what you would expect. 
Yeah, I think that's a at least of like the generation of the people I've been talking to on this podcast is that like we're not necessarily trying to go for the easy joke like and and especially with like women in comedy because I think there's still something um that's something that I struggle with because there's a in, in Philadelphia at least there's a lot of uh all female groups and there's a lot of male groups that have like one or two female voices in them but I don't like there's not that many like independent groups that are you know a 50 50 split or completely uh I don't know where I'm looking for because I'm going to totally shoot myself in the foot saying something like this. Like, um, I don't get the sense that there's a lot of groups where men and women are, are on equal footing. Totally. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> like even like, even outside of Philadelphia, we can talk universally. Like the split, a lot of groups, there's the split is always either pro men or off. Like, and, I'm really no, just no. I, screw this. You're, up you're. I'm totally getting what you mean. Just because I, oh my gosh, like I think you're like hitting the nail on the head. Like there are different sensibilities to comedy, and like I was recently listening to Amy Schumer, not Polar, but Amy Schumer's podcast, and she was talking about like how we have natural biases and we're drawn to certain types of comedy, and the goal is to kind of try to embrace all realms of comedy by really encouraging these niche markets to have a voice. But the way to really do that too is to incorporate them into mainstream comedy. So the more diverse your troupe is, the more that you're leaning into like really embracing all forms of comedy and really mixing comedic forms, which makes like something better. It makes a movie more well-rounded or it makes a show you know, able to speak to everyone in the room versus, oh, it's going to speak to the guys tonight or, oh, it's going to speak to the ladies. But, um, but yeah, no, I totally get you. That, that That's really interesting that you bring that up because that totally uh, illustrates a point that I've been thinking about in my head all like so much, like the uh, comedy has become, comedy and entertainment in general is like, getting itself into these little niches everywhere like like if you just go through like the cable outlets like the channels are now like little niches of something like uh county central i mean 20 years ago you had a thing that was just comedy but now we have like multiple channels that are completely dedicated to comedy true tv is now a comedy channel when it used to be the court tv like it used to just be court you know like it's so bizarre to me and um everyone's like what i I just talked with another person a couple weeks ago and it didn't get on the the podcast because it didn't fit but we were talking about late night shows and how i don't like the term late night comedy because you know you know tonight's show colbert and all this stuff they might start at 11 30 but most of the people watching that stuff is is not watching it at 11.30. They're watching it the next day or on YouTube or whatever. Or lumping Samantha B into late night when she's technically still in prime time. Because they're talking about uh, yeah. Or, you know, Michelle yeah. Wolf on Netflix. Uh, 
B, I think BT had an, a late night show with um, I forget her name, uh, Robin Theed or something like that. Which like, and this is gonna sound awful too, but like when everyone said that there's no women in late night, she was there. Yeah, and no one was paying attention to her, and she got canceled. Like, so you know that's you know Chelsea was on late night for four or five years or however long that show was on and then she did another netflix show um but like the idea of like you know these niche nights because even like with like stand-up comedy and stuff you have you know ladies night you have you know traditionally or historically african-american rooms you'll have uh another thing that the couple of clubs i've seen are doing are just doing straight that's a a weird turn of phrase for what i'm about to say but they would have lgbt nights where all the comedians are lgbt and there's a part of me that wonders are we hurting ourselves are we hurting those shows where instead of giving variety on every show we paint certain things in the corners yeah for yeah. certain it, i mean it goes both ways because like you know like you know you you need those niche markets to be able to like get a platform you know you need to be able to like get them out there so that people know oh yeah this is incredibly funny but then you also need them to be incorporated into mainstream so i i i totally get the frustration but it's also like it's a sign that there's still more work to do you know the the integration process is still happening like i you know, I was watching yeah, like absolutely. two joke queens and like it was like really fascinating to me how like they're incredibly funny, but I don't know everyone would just like like pick up and watch their HBO special because they'd be thinking, Oh, this is this genre of comedy. No, it's just genuinely funny. I mean, like, it's it's just funny. But because Yeah. Um, somebody was explaining this too. There was like this anthropologist who was explaining that you are attracted to comedy in general that you feel like reflects your sensibilities. So like you might be attracted to a certain type of comedy, not because you don't like those other forms of comedy, but because you see something in yourself in the way that they're expressing humor. And that's, I mean, part of the reason why I like the office and parks and rec. I mean, I work as a nurse, but I'm an administrative nurse. So I have to deal with bureaucracy. And so I obviously am attracted to like stories that tell that. But then, you know, you have this like whole spectrum of comedy out there that you need to understand if you're going to understand the people around you better even. It's it, even and, like um, Larry the Cable Guy cannot touch a city like Philadelphia or Baltimore and get the same reaction as he would everywhere else he plays like you know you get the southern comedy you've got like it's a whole nother like aspect like like i always mention that like um somehow i don't earlier today as when i you know somehow i got on dane cook's twitter feed like i think <laughs> i think he retweeted something about the the red Sox winning the world series if which will give people insight to when i record this but like <laughs> and I'm scrolling through his Twitter feed and I'm just like, oh, Dane Cook's still a thing. Where has he yeah. been? Like, like comedy is so big and vast. Like there's so many different types of audience to begin with. So many different, yeah. uh, just 
Yeah, like I, I don't think I've heard of Dane Cook coming to the Northeast in years. Like, does he just stay in LA now? Like, because that doesn't seem totally financially fruitful. But when he was at one point the biggest touring comic in, like ever. But you know your audience, right? So he might have pockets of audience members in different parts of the United States. And then all he has to do is tour those areas, make lots of money, and then he can just do what he loves. So like, yeah. But the thing that is like, for me, it's like, oh, really disheartening. You know, comedy is sometimes how you can hear a really difficult thing and Mm -hmm. process it. Like it becomes bite-sized, you know? So you make fun of certain types of people in a way that you can like understand them maybe a little bit better than break down some stereotypes. And then like, I mean, they do it with a lot of mainstream movies, like legally blonde is a good example of like taking the stereotypical girl and then breaking down some of the stereotypes so that you stop just looking at people as, as a type, you know, you start to realize, Oh, there's more to this person. And that's the power of comedy. You know, you laugh. So you're kind of disarmed and then you can really embrace whatever's being thrown at you. And I think that, you know, those, those niche markets, like, as you were saying, like one of the destructive aspects of them is that we need to have those things broken down. We need to like be able to laugh at ourselves and realize, Oh wow. What I said wasn't appropriate at all. Like I need to be able to laugh about this and realize that I need to do better in the future. But you know, it's not about like beating people down. Comedy is all about like lifting people up through allowing ourselves to like laugh, maybe see ourselves in a different way and realize, oh, I shouldn't take myself so seriously. Or, oh, so that's why what they, you know, said was so important. Like it's, it's really powerful. And if you're not using it in that way, or if you're not reaching like a broader market, I don't know, you're kind of, you're kind of doing a disservice to the craft. Because it's not just about entertainment. I mean, it's wonderful to be entertained, but part of the reason why I love Richard Dreyfus is they're not just about entertaining you. When you leave their sketches, you're going to think about something and be like, wow, like that was crazy. And you might have to take a couple of days to process why it was so crazy, but inevitably you will. And then you'll be like, oh my gosh, like can't believe this. Okay, uh, let's get back to the action track a little bit as we completely solve oh, yeah, the crisis yeah. of comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you'd mentioned that, like, uh, and I hate and I hate to say, like, theater versus sketch comedy because, I mean, they're two different muscles of the same body. Like, yeah. um, you mentioned, like, being in character and being focused on your scene partner versus, like, and not worrying about the audience in an actual theatrical play. Like, is there, from an actor's approach, is there something about the idea that you're only in this character for four or five minutes at a time that changes your process? Um, so I can say that in some respects, it can be easier to hold together what you're putting out there. So for example, I just recently did a show that was comedic, But I, oh my gosh, I was overacting up the wazoo because it was meant to be a sitcom and it was meant to be something that's like very heightened Mm -hmm. and it was exhausting. 
And if I fell off, it would be super hard to get myself back on track because I was doing it for two hours. So it's, it's like a marathon, you know, when you have this bite sized portion of a character, I mean, it means you have to get the point across much faster. So your physicality, your voice, your, um, like your everything about like how you're engaging with like the characters on the stage and with the audience needs to immediately be able to tell them what's going on right there in that moment. But it is so nice to put all that effort in like a sprint and then have it all washed away. And then you get to do the next one. Um, it can be really draining to hold on to those characters for so long. So I like sprinting better than driving, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I, I'm using way too many analogies, but like. No, I think that's an interesting analogy, though, like where being an actor for sketch comedy might be just like a a 400 meter race versus the full mile or something like of a play. Yeah. And like the thing is with the play, you need to keep it consistent and you have more time to show them what you're about, but you need to keep it consistent for throughout the entire process for sketch. Like, because it's these short bursts, you have to come forward real strong, but the energy that you're expending, you'll get a break. It, it is, it is a relief. And then you can move into someone else. So it's definitely working different muscles. Like it can be exhausting to play a bunch of different characters unless you have like some solid things to work from. But, um, but that actually, I think makes it, I think it makes it really fun. Uh, I know Richard Dreyfus has only been around for the last couple of months. Um, and I know, uh, when I talked to Kenny, uh, he, you know, he expressed a lot of desire to start traveling yeah. and, you know, going to different theaters and like different cities to keep on your track, like applying the craft. Um, and we talked also about how Baltimore isn't, uh, necessarily a sketch comedy city yet. Like. I know there's stand-up. I know there's more improv between Big and Charm City. Sketch comedy isn't really a thing yet, so you're trying to make a name for yourself. And he made the joke about like uh, Baltimore's longest-running sketch comedy show. Like, <laughs> uh, so with with Richard Dreyfus, is there a sense of excitement of being part of something new or? being like another a new wave of sketch comedy for Baltimore you know what I did not think about it that deep um he's totally right but I like I think because I was so new to sketch it was like oh welcome to sketch Carabauer and then didn't even think about the fact the city is also being introduced to sketch um I think that I I don't know if Baltimore will really love sketch comedy, I I mean, like, I just don't get the vibe sometimes from Baltimore that it is a city that will fully embrace sketch comedy. I think they love stand-up and they love improv, but I, I don't know about sketch, truthfully, because I can't think of, like, any of my friends saying, oh, yeah, I really want to see sketch comedy. And a lot of my friends, when I'm like, oh, yeah, I just I started with the sketch group, they're like, 
oh, I love stand up. And I'm like, oh, so different. So different. Um, (laughs) I can't even, you know what? Actually, you know what? None of my friends have seen me in sketch yet either. They've come to my shows, my like dramatic shows, but none of them have seen me in sketch comedy. Um, I don't know. Like it, it's something where I, I definitely understand why they want to travel because when we travel, like people have been like so excited about what's happening in the group and the type of sketches that they're seeing. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're just geniuses with the way they write. Like Kenny, oh my gosh, he's, his writing is just like thrilling. Morris, Freddie, Brandon, like they are just, I mean, they explode on the page. They do such a good job writing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if Baltimore is ready for it, but I know that if they get really into sketch, Richard Dreyfus is going to just do very well with that because they already have been working so hard to create something of value. And you've been on stage, like, even with dramatic acting, like, what would you say Baltimore audiences are like? Um, so it's weird. Okay, so one thing that I've noticed is the people who are into certain types of things, like the theater people go see theater, or the older folks. They love theater. Um, oh, my gosh. That's true of every it's- city, I feel like. There's a, there's a there's a demographic for every theater in every city. It's kind of incestuous the way town, that like the like... people who do theater are the ones going to the shows. And I have been saying for a long time we need to figure out how to bring in newer audiences. I have been seeing more new audiences with sketch than I have with stage plays. Like if they recognize the play, they'll go see it. Um, but it's harder to get people mm-hmm. to go to new to new work. Which, I mean, that's where we really should be, like, helping to support local theater. Like, letting, you know, letting people really show off what they do. But there's less of a drive for people to see those plays unless the plays have really dramatic titles. Like, Porn, A Love Story got a great audience. But, like... Yeah, there's a a curiosity of what's happening in that, for sure. Exactly. But Here Be Dragons didn't get as big of an audience, but it was a stellar play. Um, I can see that. You know that there's not going to actually be dragons. Yeah, no, exactly. They're like, what's this about? Like, I don't understand. Here be dragons. Do we still use those in the maps? Well, okay, (laughs) whatever. But it was, it was a really great play. And I think that our audiences for sketch, I mean, we actually have a real opportunity there because going into sketch comedy, you know that what you are seeing is new. Like you would actually be angry if it was recycled. Yes, and I am. Yeah, no, and you should be. Um, <laughs> but but that's just the thing. Like people have different expectations when they go to stage plays. I think they have these expectations. Oh, we're gonna go see like Les Mis. We're gonna see some famous musical, or we're gonna see The Crucible. Like they want to see those old school plays that have been plays and musicals that have been done a million times and made them feel something yeah. back in high school. Whereas with sketch, there's a possibility of getting a newer audience. And I really hope that happens. We've been getting. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Wicket comes to Philadelphia, like almost every other year, if not every year, and it will sell at a run for three weeks, but like some small black box theater in the city is going to struggle to get some new, uh, 
you know, some new play off the ground. Like the theater people are always going to go to the big names or the Broadway shows, not necessarily like venture out for the, the newer shows or something that's just on speed for its first time for sure. Yeah. And also like, I think even with sketch, there are some sketch groups that have a name and have a following. Like, you know, there are pretty obvious ones in Chicago and New York that everybody knows about because they have a name. Mm. And, you know, in Baltimore, nobody nobody has a name, which means that you're you're taking a risk. You're not, you know, you're not going to be able to go to your friends and be like, oh, my gosh, I just saw Richard Dreyfus," And they'll be like, oh, that's that's great. The actor like they're not going to have any concept yeah. of what that means until until there is a following until people do discover what's going on. So I just think, I don't know. I, I don't know if Baltimore is the right city to develop that because there isn't name recognition and there isn't necessarily a desire for, for that specific type of theater experience, I think. But, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned Chicago. Uh, I try to go to Chicago every couple of years, like, as you know either just stopgap or just visiting and whenever i go i try to go see a show at the second city yeah and i'm always i don't know if confused is the right word but like second city reviews second city shows out there are treated like theater in a way that we anywhere else i've ever seen comedy or sketch comedy does not do it oh 100 like Chicago has their own version of the Tonys every year and every year some second city show is actually like treated with respect in, in those things. And now granted, granted we can't like be like, Oh, you know, awards are the only barometer of that. But like they do a playbill, they do, you know, everything that like we don't do in the sketch comedy world. Like it's, it was so bizarre to me when I first like noticed it and thought about it like that, like, Oh no, that is such an excellent point because like in medicine, for example, we have different like conferences for different specialties, you know, and it's how we build recognition for who's doing what work to advance the field. And right now, like sketch is kind of not really treated with a whole lot of respect. I mean, like it's comedy. So already comedy is starting at a disadvantage because people don't know how hard it is to do comedy. Oh my gosh. Dramatic acting sometimes can be <laughs> so much easier. Um, but because you're, it's easy to elicit certain emotions compared to others, but like there isn't really a way to like really advance that craft without having kind of recognition of where it is and where it needs to improve having reviews like giving awards when something is done really well like yeah it that's such a good point that you're making that's totally true we don't do any of that stuff to really advance the field and this just popped into my head about like the idea of theater versus comedy is it is your rehearsal process any different like Oh, 100%. And uh, granted, like, the bulk of the material is going to be infinitely different between, you know, a full two-hour play and and a sketch comedy set. Like, but, like, 
are you less in your head? Are you more in your head with sketch comedy? Oh my God. Or? Thank goodness I'm less. Whenever I'm in my head and I'm on stage, oh, it's a nightmare. I do a terrible acting job because you have to be so present. And if you're in your head, like there are actors who get inside their head and then they don't care about the fact they're not having genuine emotions with the other people on stage. And I watch those plays and I'm like, this is so boring for me because I'm not like, I'm not feeling anything. It's almost like, uh, I don't know. It's, I could compare it to something, but it'd be so vulgar. It's just, there's no intimacy <laughs> in the interaction. Whereas with like, with sketch, um, so our preparation when we do rehearsals is we all meet at someone's house or apartment. We read through the sketch so that we know what's happening. So we have an idea of like who the characters are and like what the overarching theme is. And then after we read it through, we try to act it out. And we think about like what props could make it more funny or how we could stage it to make sure that the audience is understanding like what the, the relationships are between the characters. Um, and then when we put it on its feet, we inevitably discover new things, but we're not doing like weeks and weeks of rehearsal to really unpack these characters. We're literally trying to do like a couple rehearsals to keep it fresh and to have play that we do on stage. So it's a lot more playing on stage than it is with a stage play because man, <laughs> when you deviate from the plan when you're doing a stage play, if if you fail in any respect, you will have the stage manager, the director, maybe even some critics call you out. Whereas with sketch, there's like a sense in which oh, like this didn't go exactly to plan, but let's see if we can make it better because it didn't go to plan. Like there's like a sense in which they're, ah, it's, it's not that it's bad sometimes when you improv in a stage play, but it is so much more appreciated than sketch. It's so much more about like, Oh yeah, I'm not saving you in this moment. I'm with you in this moment. So like on stage, there's like always like, Oh, you forget a line. I'll save you. It's not that it's not even have, it doesn't have a single negative connotation. It's, Oh, let's see where we can take this. Oh, I am going to play into this. Oh, you said this line. Well, I'm going to try and like say this other line to make it even funnier. Like it's, it's super collaborative. And so you have to constantly like be trying to play off of your fellow actors as well as the audience, because they're another member of the show. And you know, sometimes you'll do a stage play. People won't get it. You won't really necessarily need them to get it. Or sometimes the directors don't even like honestly want them to get it because it's experimental or whatever. With sketch, you want them to be engaged. You want them to be a part of it. You you want to feel them in it. Yeah, and if, if the audience isn't in on the joke, there's no point of doing sketch comedy. Exactly. Oh my gosh, it's so nice. Uh, you're relatively new, ob- like obviously. With I'm, you mentioned, yeah. Richard Dreyfus is only a few months old. Uh, is there something that you've learned from your time in sketch comedy that you would pass on to someone attempting it for the first time? Um. So, uh, so one of the. <laughs> One of the things that, you know, as a stage actor is sometimes actually a little convenient is if you bomb, it's kind of like, oh, like, 
it was an off night. You know, you're you're not necessarily like you're gonna kind of know if you like did a bad acting job, but I don't know. You're gonna you're gonna have a bunch of other nights to kind of go over it and do it again. If you bomb on sketch, there's like you immediately know because people are not laughing. And I think that there's something very healthy and good about that. It is really good and important to embrace the idea that, I don't know, like you might not be funny right from jump. And that's, that's actually acceptable. What's not acceptable is like giving up on the audience and giving up on the people around you. Um, but just accepting the fact that like, oh, you're saying something that's supposed to be incredibly funny and nobody's there with you. That's okay. Like, I, you know, I've had some experiences where you're like, oh, well, that sucked. Or I didn't like the way I was playing a character. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, you got to continue to play that character. Oh, I hate how I do that character. But that's okay because you might be the person who's setting them up for the joke. And it's all about, in the end, do people get the message? Do they get... And sometimes it means, like, you discover something needs to be changed. But, like, I, I think it's okay to kind of suck a little bit. And then finally, as we wrap it up, uh, it sounds like you're enjoying your time in sketch comedy. Oh, yeah. Aside from plays, why is this the way you want to spend your some of your free time? Um... You know what? I think it's the guys in the group and Tatiana and it just honestly I have been working with a lot of different theater groups and um I've noticed that people have not really considered their audience when they're, you know, choosing plays and sometimes people can be kind of mean to each other in the theater world because it's all about making sure that you're known like you're trying to have that next big role there's a little bit of like ego involved in that and with the sketch group I'm not getting that vibe from any of them it's just really about like making sure everybody has a good time and doing fun things with good people and so I think because I just I'm enjoying doing acting in a context where everyone's really lovely and nice and they get along and they're willing to give feedback and take feedback and learn. I'm having a ton of fun. That's enough. Yeah. That's enough for the want to keep doing this. Yeah. But I mean, sketch itself is really exciting, but I think that that's the main reason. I, I think it's nice to do art with people who are really nice and sketch demands criticism like you're reworking sketches and you're like I've been with people and like I've seen the same sketch and I've been like oh wow so this is like completely different now like yeah and like recently Kenny changed the ending to one of his sketches and I was like oh my gosh this ending is so much better like he's like yeah you know I wasn't completely satisfied and like it's it's great to be in that environment where you know, it's not a play that's done. It's constantly working. And everybody's kind of on the same page of wanting improvement yeah. over ego. Yeah, comedy's one of those great. weird things where uh, very few other art forms are you really watching the process. Like stand-up, you're 
stand-ups write their act on stage sketch comedians are constantly changing things and fixing things like uh in philadelphia our the harwan comedy theater has house teams where they perform two weekends i could go to the first show the first weekend and the first show the second weekend and i can see the differences and improvements and you know rewrites and different changes that they've made like it's always a thing that until that it's until it's on video or something until you put it up on youtube it's so cool it's constantly evolving oh yeah like they did with uh did you see the 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 short Mm -hmm. no i didn't watch that yet scuba dave (laughs) oh okay yeah i'm in it i do not look very nice but i think that it was necessary to show the desperation of my character Harris Troop Richard Dreyfus is performing at Big on Wednesday, November 28th in a show called Richard Dreyfus Auditions for Olga at 8.30 p.m. Go to bigimprov.org for more information. Then Richard Dreyfus will perform a set at Charm City Comedy Project on Friday, November 30th. The show starts at 8 p.m. and will include the Big Freaking Quiz of 2018. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.